This is Daniel Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. One of our theses here from our market research work at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research is that AI executive fluency is really the linchpin to return on investment for AI projects. If we have leadership that conceptually understands what AI can do, what it takes to make a project uh, successful in terms of a deployment, or at least how to avoid failures. And if we have executives that understand a representative sense of use cases, so they know so realistically what might fit where, we would be able to avoid a lot of the early stumbling blocks uh, of where AI kind of fell on its face in the enterprise. Unfortunately, executives are becoming more fluent. We obviously want to perpetuate that with our work here at Emerge and with this podcast. And there is a topic about what it looks like to put AI into use that we don't cover a lot, but that is worth having on the radar. And that is your choice around hardware and compute. We're not going to talk technical. This is not a show for people who write code for a living. It's a show for people who decide on projects, build strategies, manage budgets. That's who you folks are, and that's who we're delivering for. But hardware is still a useful and interesting topic, depending on what industry you're in, and it's something everybody's going to have to think a bit more about in the decade ahead. Our guest this week is Jeffrey Tate. He is the co-founder of FlexLogix. FlexLogix makes AI hardware. Jeffrey's a fellow out in Mountain View, where I used to live myself. And we speak this week around when it makes sense to do AI at the edge and when it makes sense to have centralized compute. What are the advantages of both and what are the instances when AI at the edge might be the smarter move to play? Uh, We've talked in the past about AI in the edge in retail for computer vision. We've talked in the past about AI in... Uh, utilities and in transportation at the edge. But now we talk about it conceptually. And this is the Making the Business Case episode, so we get a bit more conceptual here on Thursdays. We're going to talk about when does it make sense to have your algorithms doing their work far away from your central compute versus when do you want to pipe that data somewhere to have the work done there. Having a simple rule of thumb for dealing with that is awful useful if you're thinking about use cases that involve complex compute needs. And I think Jeffrey does a great job of simplifying some of those insights. So I hope that you find this episode helpful. If you want to support the show, and so many of you have been kind to do so over the course of the last six months, it means a lot to me, please do leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Let us know what you like most. All of our best ideas in the last year or year and a half about the show have come from listeners like you, either contacting me on LinkedIn or dropping us a kind review on iTunes and letting us know what kind of episodes you like, what you like about the show. That's helped us to mold our material, and it also really helps to support us. So if you want to support Emerge, uh, go ahead over to the AI and Business Podcast on Apple Podcasts, drop us a five-star review, and share any particular episode you liked or any themes that you want to see more of. We'd love to hear from you. We really do want to focus on the community this year, and you as a listener are a big, big part of that. So thanks so much for those of you who already have. And otherwise, without further ado, let's hop right into this episode. This is Jeffrey with Flex Logics here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Jeffrey, I want to start off with sort of the difference between doing business with the data center versus doing business at the edge. I know that the AI hardware you folks are working on is, you know, I think when most people think AI hardware, they think about the big rack sitting somewhere in the data center. The edge is different. The edge is new. It's it's burgeoning. How do you define the edge when you talk to people? Because I think people always think about those racks, but it's, it's clearly a blooming ecosystem. Yeah, well, edge is a term that different people define differently, but what we basically look at it is is it's any system that's outside of the data center. There can be things like cell phone stations and Verizon, you know, stations that are kind of, you know, in between. But we're looking at, you know, robots in the field, cars in the field, 
ultrasound systems in the field. So these are systems that are separated and well removed from the data center. That's the edge. Okay. And, and obviously a pretty wide berth as to what that could be. Yes. It seems like, you know, almost any industry, this, this could be applied, you know, retail, you've got cameras and, you know, energy, you've got, I don't know, some, some big turbine out there, you know, generating some power, killing an occasional bird. You know, it's it's pretty pretty vast swath of of what what edge can imply. Does that broad world of edge cluster in any interesting ways? I think industry would be one that makes sense. Maybe you can talk a bit about that, but but maybe it's also use case. Uh, what you see edge sort of used for in certain ways. How do you, how do you think about this whole new space? I think those of us at home, it's yeah. it's sort of it's new, it's novel. But how do we want to break it up? Well, we're just touching the the top of the iceberg so far, but we've engaged with a lot of customers and see a lot of market segments and they have different potential sizes. So one obvious one is cameras. There's cameras all over the place. You mentioned Walmarts, Wells Fargo's. There's cameras today wired into servers in the back offices of these places, edge servers, servers not in the data center. And right now those cameras are just recording video in case somebody shoplifts something and they've got a, a tape. But hey, now they can add inference and start tracking people in their stores checking buying behavior, uh, how long are the lines, how long does it take to get through the lines, things like that. So that's an application where you need object detection and recognition. Similarly, when you're talking about robots, robots moving around in a distribution floor, a warehouse, you know, they need to know, you know, what's a a rack to put things on, what's a box to lift up, what's a person to make sure you don't hit them. (laughs) So you're detecting objects and you're recognizing them and taking action appropriately. Same thing happens in cars. So those are all object detection and recognition. And there's models like YOLO V3, which do an excellent job of doing that, which are people are deploying now. Then we see medical imaging. And there's many types of medical imaging. There's great big MRI machines. They're much less expensive more numerous ultrasound machines, X-ray, CT scans, and stuff in between. So there, what the people are using models for is more specialized. It's not object detection recognition. You know, typically, you know, you're scanning your knee, it's stuck in there, it's not moving, but you're looking to detect some anomalies in the X-ray, on the ultrasound. Is the baby okay? Is the knee got a, a busted ACL? So it's helping the radiologist do a quicker job of diagnosing the problem. That's what those kind of models seem to be doing. Then there's things like uh, scientific imaging or, or life sciences. And there, in many cases, what they're doing is looking to clean up images using neural network approaches to remove extraneous information and clarify the images. If you've ever seen like an ultrasound, like I just recently had some surgery and the doctors were trying to find some vein up on my shoulder and I, I could see the ultrasound they were looking at. It was a teaching hospital. And... I couldn't tell what was going on. (laughs) They said when they when they started as doctors, they couldn't tell what was going on either. But eventually they figured it out. So these ultrasounds are hard to make out and computers can make people make better judgments, which can result in better outcomes. So there's a wide range of applications that we're seeing for inference models. And I think we're just scratching the surface as inference gets more powerful and cheaper. It's going to go into more and more and more systems outside of the data center. Big time, yeah, and clearly, you know, uh, the the hardware will also get cheaper with time uh, as well. Uh, cameras have gotten a lot cheaper. You know, you're talking a lot about vision. You know, certain kinds of equipment and components, and obviously the core hardware, like what you folks are working on. You mentioned a lot of vision applications. The two latter ones, I would actually presume, maybe we don't necessarily have to be on the edge. You know, if I'm if I'm at the Mayo Clinic and they're scanning me, is that one of those kind of 
not necessarily at the edge ones, like with those latter examples in healthcare, more traditional sort of in the data center, or, or do you see plenty of healthcare applications outside of the data center that maybe we can talk about as well? Well, we're talking to people who are already deploying AI in their systems. So for whatever reason, they've chosen to have the the, the function inside their box okay. uh, and not connect to the data center. You know, connecting to the data center has a latency. You need a network interface, which has to always be up and be reliable. And the data center charges money. It's not free. Unlike the Google search, if you want to use AWS or something, you're paying. So their decision is at the right price. It's, it makes more sense to deploy the inference inside their own system. Interesting. Okay, so you're you're seeing that. Yeah, you know, who knows when prices shift and use cases shift and workflows shift. If if more and more medical devices will just not be billed as, hey, we're going to pipe this over to your data center, but hey, we're actually doing the calculations. You just kind of jack in and you can see the results. So it, yeah. it, it sounds and, like you, and, and, yeah, and it's possible that some of this stuff will go to the data center. Sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and we got we got nothing against that. We just see a lot of applications where latency is important. Yeah. Like if you're in a car and you're driving, you know, you can't be waiting for a data center. Definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. And if you lose if you lose connection, you can't say, well, sorry, I hit you. You know, <laughs> the data center wasn't available. So, you know, there's clearly applications where real time is critical and there's others where perhaps it's less critical. Uh, we see lots of applications where the customers want it real time. Yeah. So so let's talk maybe about that, those factors that encourage. Oh, and, and, sure, and go one ahead. thing on, on the sensors, by the way, yeah. is I did mention a bunch of vision, but we see LIDAR, infrared, X-ray, magnetic, laser. You know, we've seen every kind of, you know, electromagnetic sensor you can think of used in various kinds of applications out there. So it's more than just vision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, so I guess two questions. I'll, I'll tack on to a few things you've said. One of which, you know, again, the healthcare example struck me as potentially not as urgent as autonomous vehicles and that maybe that would be data center work. But it wouldn't surprise me if the ecosystem evolved so that some of this stuff was just done at the edge. Those products might end up succeeding more because, you know, hospitals setting up the level of AI maturity they would need to actually pipe this into their own data centers might just be too much of a too much of a heavy lift compared to doing it doing it on board if the, the hardware is cheap enough to do so. What are the factors? One of them you mentioned was latency. When you think about what's growing the demand for edge, in other words, being outside of the data center, what, what's expanding that demand? Physical distance is one. Okay, if I'm driving in some obscure part of Alaska with some kind of transportation vehicle, maybe you know I'm not going to be piping to the data center. So physical distance, maybe. Right. Um, you, you mentioned need for latency. You know, if we need to make snap decisions, we absolutely can't have even a, a lick of lag. And that's going to be another factor that's going to encourage us to lean in the edge direction. What else do you see as those kind of magnetic pulls towards making the edge a bigger deal? Cost. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about yeah, it. It costs, it costs money to run uh, your neural network models <laughs> on the data center. And I don't know what the costs are, but it's not free. So we've had people tell us back when we started in this, remember we talked to a home doorbell company hmm. and they could recognize people, but they actually had to have a, a little uh, internet connection. So there had to be a data center you know, connection. Then they sent the images up to the data center and got them back. And they were looking for a chip to replace that and put it into their, their unit because as long as they were using the data center, they had to charge a monthly fee and nobody wanted to pay a monthly fee. They would just want to buy the, the home doorbell installer. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. So data centers require, you know, every image you're, you're paying for it. If you buy a chip, you pay for it once and it'll work for the next, you know, umpteen years. 
So cost is a big factor. If you if you can do it cheaply, you know, why use the data center? And it's, if you can do it cheaply and fast. Yeah. But okay. but it's okay, it's okay, you know, in a, in our world today, it's not a black and white thing. You know, the computers we're using use a blend of local compute and and you're using the data center. When you need to find some information, you go to Google and you find stuff on their data center. But your Excel spreadsheets and all these things are running on your local compute. So you know, it's not an either or. Yeah. In our own, yeah. in our regular computing life, we're using both, and it's done based on responsiveness, costs, and other trade-offs. Totally, and, and it it seems to me like, yeah, that that same kind of blend is going to be natural. You know, if we think about where the computer is being used, and you know, different industries, it'll be splayed out differently, right? If I run a company with a lot of energy equipment, you know, out there in the world, maybe I'll have you know. X percent the, uh, of my compute, you know, that I could technically categorize at the edge. If I'm a financial services firm, just doing underwriting and accounting type stuff, maybe yep. we're going to be looking at vastly more uh, in the data center. So, so cost is another and, factor. You know, there, yeah, there's sort of an intermediate, which is I mentioned like earlier, Wells Fargo's or well, Walmart's having cameras. You know, those cameras don't have any intelligence in them. Yep, they just have the wire going back to. A server in the back room, and that's where they capture the image and store them on disk for later, later use. So, you know, in that case, they're aggregating the work to into a server rather than having intelligence in the cameras. So, we see customers who want to buy our boards to put them in servers so that one server can control many cameras, and that's the right trade-off in their application. So it's still at the edge. But it's not all the way out to the actual yeah, camera unit itself. Sitting in each individual camera. Yeah. Again, that exact or, hardware fit is going to be different. Go ahead. Or you can have, you know, some robots on assembly lines and there might be eight robot robots controlled by one inference chip. So, you know, you can there there's lots of different trade-offs people are making to get to the the best, you know, solution for their application. Yeah, and, and again, this is not a developed enough space where we have all the best practices, right? At some point X number of years in the future, if I'm Best Buy using a completely arbitrary example, I, I don't shop that much, so having to having to use my memory here. Uh, if I'm Best Buy and I open a new store and I want to, you know, detect theft and inventory levels, there's going to be sort of a, you know, pretty tried and true orchestrated way of sort of cutting the mustard with my cameras and having that stuff set up hardware wise, like at, at least a couple cookbook ways of doing it that a million other brick and mortar folks yeah. have, have used. Right now, we're feeling that out, and like you said. Might be in the server, might be in the camera. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna experiment, and we're also gonna find what's gonna be right for the client application. So, so we have physical distance, we have latency, we have cost. I'm thinking from the perspective of you know the customer here. When I think about is this gonna cost more to be done? I loved your doorbell example. That was a great example. Uh, Jeff was customer doesn't want to pay every month. I want to sell this thing. I want I want to outsell my competitors by being able to even have an accessible price. So I don't want to bill my customers every month. I want them to have smarts but pay for it one time, that's going to help me grow my business. That was one example you used where cost made sense. That clicked in my head. When I'm a, a business, you know, I'm a functional business leader in retail, in energy, in whatever sector, and I'm thinking, okay, this particular use case, is this going to be pricier to run in the data center or pricier to buy, quote unquote, you know, edge compute for lack of better terms? Of course, we can't give anybody blanket advice, but are there ways you like to think through this to kind of find those pockets where edge often makes sense. Well, one, one other thing to note in the data center is that, you know, the data center has way more compute power 
Uh, but the products that are in the data center are optimized to run really, really big models, and they're very expensive. You know, at the edge, people want to deploy much less expensive solutions. So it's not necessarily clear that the products in the data center will be very good at running edge applications. In, in the edge, they're running models that have billions of weights. Uh, sorry, in the data center, yep, yep. they're running models with billions of weights. We're running models that have 62 million weights, which is still a lot. And their chips are optimized for large batch sizes, if you're familiar with that term. Yeah, you know, they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. In, in a data center, you know, there's thousands of servers, so they can aggregate a whole bunch of similar workloads and run them in parallel. And they combine the units and they process, say, 64 images at a time. At the edge, images are coming in from one camera, one at a time, and you have to process them on the fly. So it's a different kind of inference that you need to do at the edge than what you do in the data center. So the data center solutions, although very powerful, are optimized for the data center problems, which are different from the edge problems. Got it. That's an interesting distinction as well. And it really makes me think here, you know, as we go into the future, will there be data centers? And almost certainly the answer is yes, but neither you nor I know the ratios. I'm sure it'll be different per industry and geo region and everything else. But will there be data centers that have entire chunks of them built to process, you know, much more limited sort of numbers of features for particular kinds of problems to be more energy efficient. Maybe there will be, you know, so, so, hey, this, this chunk of the data center is running sort of this stuff because we have a lot of it, but, you know, we don't want to spend as much money. But as you're saying right now, right now, they're not optimized for that. They're not optimized for edge problems. And so that that's part of what makes the cost argument sort of a strong one. You guys are in this space and you're coming out with a new chip in the AI world to sort of operate at the edge. Clearly for you guys, this is a bet worth making and, and the edge is going to bloom. You know, you talked about we're just at the tip of the iceberg. Any quick closing notes for folks who are, who are wondering, hey, what's going to make edge take off? Are there going to be trends? Are there going to be some sort of thresholds we're going to cross where we're really going to start this snowball of, of edge being more and more of the compute ecosystem. Any, anything you can leave people with? Well, what we see today is that the solutions that people are using now from the established leaders work, but they don't run as fast as they'd like and they cost too much. So the edge market adoption of AI is still relatively modest. People are predicting the market's going to grow to $10 billion from a half a billion today. But the reason or the way markets grow with semiconductors is you've got to deliver equally good performance at a tenth of the price. And that's what our new chip does. You know, we're delivering performance that's like the market leaders today, but at a fraction of the cost. So that will enable people not just to make their current ultrasound systems better, but to put us into systems where they can't afford to put quality, high-performance inference today because it's too expensive. And that's going to expand the market dramatically. Okay. So for you, and I, I, I again, can't make any judgments on your particular product, but it sounds like the, the forces at play here are, as the use cases expand and become more popular, it's just going to become evident that the cost factors are just going to hold us back from actually adopting things that we know are going to work in the industry. And so we're going to just have to jump to the edge and there's going to have to be a leap in, in, in people's way of thinking and and managing their hardware. Maybe an analogy is at the edge right now, the, the options for doing edge compute are a Maserati and a Mercedes-Benz. Okay, got it, got it. And we, we'd all like a Maserati, we'd all like a Mercedes-Benz, but there's lots of people who have enough money to buy a Toyota or a Volkswagen. Got it. <laughs> and, if you, and if you can give them a, a good product at, at a much lower price point and it gives you 
good performance, maybe not quite as good, but almost as good, but at a lot less price, all of a sudden, a lot more people can put high performance inference into their products. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, there would be far, far less cars in the road if it was only Maseratis available. The other analogy I'll use here is that Right now, there just aren't that many roads on the road, right? The, the, the United States is pretty pretty well roaded out. The AI <laughs> ecosystem of what can this stuff do that'll actually deliver value is actually not all that well roaded out, right? That there, there isn't a clear cut, hey, we all know how to solve fraud at the checkout. Hey, we all know how to you know do yep. facial recognition efficiently. Hey, we all know those roads just don't exist. So these playbooks, I think, need to develop so that people actually have demand for things like what you guys are working on. But luckily, use cases are not stopping anytime soon. And I think you guys are in an exciting space. And hopefully, for those of you listening in, some of uh, Jeff's ideas about what's going to get this to tip and where uh, Edge can make an impact are going to be useful for you as you think about your own business too. Jeff, I know that's all we have for time on this interview, but thanks so much for being able to join us on the show. Thanks, Dan. My pleasure. That's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. Thanks for listening all the way through. I hope you've enjoyed this particular episode. It was Kasako Research who put us in touch with Jeffrey a while ago. Kasako runs a number of AI hardware summits. Kasako has also worked with Emerge in the past about letting people know about the AI and hardware summit. But Jeffrey was actually a connection through them. So I want to give them an extra pat on the back and a big thank you for introducing us to somebody smart who made it on for another episode here on the program. And definitely check out Kasako Research if you're interested and learning more about hardware. Otherwise, stay tuned right here next Tuesday if you want to hear more about AI use cases, because that's what we do every Tuesday here on the AI in Business Podcast. So I look forward to catching you then.